1: Live from the sixth and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Welcome back.
0: Final hour of the week of Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty here on the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow, and I'm live today from our sixth and Peabody Studios downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. David Reed is here, chairman of the board. Jonathan Hunts down in Birmingham. We'll reconnect with him coming up in about 20 minutes. Paul Kuharski with the day off. Austin Price never takes a day off unless he's at Disney. And uh, I was really expecting Austin to be in a master shirt or a gray vest today that he's been rocking in these player interviews. But instead, he's going, looks like the classic T-shirt look for Austin Price who joins us from a car somewhere in Knoxville. I assume Knoxville it could be somewhere else. Austin Price of allQuest.com is our guest now. Austin, how are you, man?
2: I'm doing great, Chad. I, I'm actually in Maryville. My kids love to pick strawberries um, every spring, and so this is uh, strawberry picking time, so they're out picking strawberries, and I'm hanging out with you here in the car.
0: Is there a spot to go where you can just freely raid a strawberry farm and pick strawberries? Are you trespassing right now with your kids, or uh, how, how does this work where you just go pick strawberries?
2: Well, no, you just go over to Rutherford Farms over here in Maryville, and okay. you know you pay you pay by the pound. You just go and pick a, a bucket full, and then pay by the pound.
0: I love how uh, you're very active in the strawberry picking right now. As the kids go and do it, you're you're in the car. Smart man, Austin. Smart man. Um, so exactly. the the NCAA Austin came back, and uh, they've decided while there's not going to be in game penalties for faking injuries to slow a team down you are allowed to send a review in to the national coordinator of officiating, and then they can do something after the fact. I don't understand how any of this makes sense and what exactly they would do to a team if they were deemed to be faking injuries.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems like, uh, I don't don't think it's a band aid, right? I mean, like, it just seems like this is their kind of check the box. This is the best thing we came up with. Um, you know, and so you're going to see people continue to do this. Um, how can you prove an injury is fake? You know, um, I guess if you know uh, a kid goes down and he's—that's why the most logical thing is to do is if you—if you—if you go down, you've got to set out an X number of plays. Um, you know, unless you know, um, and and I guess there could be you know there's could be a gray area to that, but I mean I just I ultimately think that this is just kind of a check the box thing. Hey, we did this, you know. So no one can you know complain, but obviously it's still going to be an issue going forward.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And it's going to be an issue for Tennessee. Uh, they're one of the two or three teams that this is going to affect more than anyone else. Um, transfer portal now that we're post-spring, Austin, uh, what does that look like for Tennessee? Is there a particular position they're going to target more than others? And are there any names that you're hearing that Tennessee may be interested in right now?
2: Well, right now it's Brew McCoy and Daryl Jackson. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of people out there. And uh, you've seen more people go in the portal. Uh, this week, James Robinson from Tennessee went in the portal today, uh, which is no surprise. He's not really played, not really factored here. Um, but at the same time, like, a lot of the kids I've seen go in the portal are from this league. I mean, they can't come here, you know. I mean, you know, I, I know when Amarius Mims went in the portal, there were a couple of SEC schools that swore they would get a waiver for Amarius to come there. Um, and I just don't see how that's possible. Like, you know, I mean, how, how can you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, to me, like, that's a hard and fast rule. Like you're either in by February 1st or you're not. And if you're not, then you're not going to be eligible, uh, the next calendar year, uh, in this league. And so right now, Tennessee is, you know, looking for, you know, helping the secondary help it pass rusher. Um, Daryl Jackson is a guy who was committed to Tennessee coming out of high school, um, and then ended up getting cut late in the process. He ended up going to Maryland, had a really nice year last year, has went back in the portal. Um, Is going to officially visit next weekend, but you also have Florida, Florida State, Miami, all three Florida schools heavily involved. You know, that said there's going to be a push from people back home to to stay in state this time around, but at least he's going to come back and give Tennessee another look. He loved Tennessee coming out of high school before they cut him, so interesting to uh, see him kind of give Tennessee another look. New staff, Rodney Garner's, you know, trying his best to get in there. Um, but again, like it just feels like every time Tennessee's went to the portal, it, they've been behind because kids already kind of had an idea of where they were going before um, they went in the portal, and that's what's happened a lot of times. I mean, you know, you you have you know schools all over the country that have their players working things with people they know. Hey, you know, we you know if you, if you if you end up wanting to go in the portal, we need help at linebacker, and linebacker X goes to the portal, and he kind of already knows where he's going. And so, uh, you know, outside of that, Brew McCoy is the one to me Tennessee's waiting on, uh, you know, with a, a decision looming from him sometime in the next, uh, you know, week or so.
0: I know Josh Hypel's on the Big Orange uh, Caravan tour right now. In fact, he'll be here at uh, Six and Peabody, Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer next Thursday, and we'll broadcast from uh, the beer garden outside for that event. Um, getting ready for 2022, though, Austin, looking back on 2021 – there's never 100% buy-in from everyone on the team when a new coach takes over, but Tennessee had a pretty high percentage buy-in a year ago with that group, and it was a lot of guys who were motivated to not end. They didn't want to go out the way the year before went is how I would describe it. If you're looking at this roster and this locker room right now, while this group is certainly more familiar with Josh Heupel and the type of program he wants to run and how he wants to run practice... And how the team wants to run over the course of the game. How would you describe this 2022 team coming out of spring and their mindset now moving forward compared to what we saw in 2021?
2: Well, I think last year was kind of a point where, like you know, every, you know, so many people left, and then it was like, okay, are we done? Okay, everybody, everybody that's here wants to be here, right? All right, then let's. And, and it was easy to buy in at that point. Um, I think there's going to be a certain level of buy-in uh, every year un- under this staff because of the way they kind of handle themselves. It is a very much a family type feel, um, you know. There's, it, you know, he, Coach Heupel, they preach all that, and but they really do live it. You know, I mean, and that's not to say other staffs before haven't lived it as well. I mean, Tennessee for years has kind of been known as that kind of like feels like home, everybody's a family type feel. Knoxville's kind of this cool little place because it's part city and then part, you know town and and you know it's not too big not too small kids kind of fall in love with it parents fall in love with it um so yeah i for for my liking i I think you're always going to have a you know a a pretty good level of buy-in to me it's just what's the chemistry like in the locker room you know i think in this day and age of nil kids talk you know, um, you know, and they're talking about, oh, I got this, I got that. And that's not just a Tennessee thing. So I don't want that to be mista- taken out of context. I'm not saying this Tennessee team's going to have a, an, a problem with that. I'm just saying that's something you have to worry about when you're in any athletic form now in college sports, basketball, whatever. You know, I mean, that, that's just something you have to, to kind of work through as a staff. And so you, that's why you need good leadership. And I do think Tennessee has good leadership. I mean, they've done a really nice job. Of you know, of building guys you know that maybe no one would have thought would have been a leader. I mean, look at a guy like Jeremy Banks. You know, he's on the leadership council. Um, you know, uh, I expect Trayvon Flowers to be this year's Theo Jackson. At least that's my pick. Um, and he's got a lot of praise this spring. Now again, you know, proof's in the pudding. We'll see over time if that ends up being the case. But that's just the defensive side of the ball. Also, you got a Mario Tom- Mario Thomas on defense. Offensively, you got Cedric Tillman you got Hendon Hooker. Now, they're not the, the top, most talkative guys in the world. They're f- fairly quiet, but I think, you know, the way they handle themselves, you know, carries a lot of weight in the locker room. So I would expect a lot of buy-in this year as well. Tennessee's got high hopes. you got a returning quarterback and a lot of promise, most promise it's had in quite a while.
0: So Tennessee gets the top player in state for the 2023 class this week, Caleb Herring uh, from Riverdale High School in Murfreesboro. Um, we saw when Nico committed – that he was immediately targeting some offensive guys. Can you see a similar path now for Caleb Herring in terms of who he's going to try to recruit to Tennessee for this class on defense?
2: Well, I think the first name you look at, Chad, is, is Christian Conner. I mean, a young man's from Bowling Green right across the line, just about an hour or so you know, north of Nashville. He plays on the same seven-on-seven team as Caleb Herring. It just makes a lot of sense. Connors-Tennessee-Kentucky battle. Um, you're going to visit both officially in the month of June and then probably make a decision sometime in early July. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's already, you know, Caleb before he was even committed was making calls and talking to Nathan Robinson and, and talking to several players. Um, so, you know, I do think that, you know, his personality you would think, you know, isn't what Nico's is. Like, I just don't know if he's going to work the phones a lot, but I know he th- in his mind, he's hoping to have that similar type of impact where guys want to come play with him. And, uh, again, Caleb is a, a kid that, to me, when you look at Tennessee football, you know, they had Derek Barnett, who was phenomenal, Tennessee's all-time leading sack ruck, uh, you, know, you know, master. And, you know, when you look at, you know, they've just not had a whole lot of sense coming off the edge. All of a sudden, in back-to-back classes, you've got James Pierce, Josh Josephs, Caleb Herring, and then we'll see if they can add any cherry on top. Uh, between now and signing day, to make kind of four and two years, that would be a huge haul and a big get and a big reason why I think Tennessee defensively could make a, a huge leap. Not maybe not maybe right now, but over time under Josh Heupels because they're bringing really quality defensive players.
0: Yeah, and offensively, when Nico Iamaleava committed, he was immediately going to start contacting some other prospects out there. The two names I heard the most: Kyle Casper, he's going to Oregon; uh, Carnell Tate, still uncommitted. Uh, what are you hearing on on Carnell Tate and his interest right now, and who are maybe a couple other guys, Austin, that specifically Nico is targeting to be his teammate on offense in Knoxville? Well, I think
2: wide receivers obviously best friend to quarterback. You know, you know the best friend for the
0: quarterback, right?
2: Also, offensive tackles are best friends to the quarterback. And so Francis Maui Goa and I've not talked to Francis, so I'm not gonna. I don't want to butcher it too much. So I'm just gonna go with looks like Maui and then it's Goa at the end. Um, you know, I, I think both those are two that he's targeted a lot. I talked to Cameron Seldon, uh wide receiver out of Virginia. Nico has been working him. Nico messaged with Caleb Herring, you know, uh, before he pulled the trigger officially to Tennessee and just, you know, was kind of urging him, Hey, get in the boat, help me, you know, that type of thing. So like Nico's working, you know, several different players. Um, you know, I mean, Brandon Enos, uh kid out of, you know, Florida, I, you know, I think he's most likely to stay in the state of Florida. But, I mean, like, you know, Nico gets people to at least listen, give Tennessee a look. And so we'll see over time. But it certainly seems like things are trending with a guy like Carnell Tate, trending with uh, Francis uh, Maui Goa. And, uh, and we'll see, you know, kind of where things go from there. But he's calling a lot of different players uh, on both sides of the ball because he knows, you know, it's not just an offensive thing. He needs quality defensive guys to stop the other team, get the ball back for him and the offense.
0: It feels like on the basketball front, uh, Austin, that Tennessee need, really needs multiple guys at this point, and they're in with multiple transfers uh, that are some pretty good options. Uri Collins from St. Louis is one of them. I, I want to ask specifically about him because there was a report from someone in St. Louis immediately when he decided to transfer was Tennessee is the leader right now for, for Uri Collins. What are you hearing on that front, and what would Tennessee be getting uh, with this point guard? Well, they're getting the nation's
2: assist leader and uh, someone who can distribute, but can also score. I like him to a CJ Watson type player. Um, CJ could score the basketball, but he was such a distributor. He made everyone around him better. Uh, and that's what Yuri's done at St. Louis a, an experienced guy with a good handle, um, you know, a nice yin to the yang with the, you know, kind of jitterbug speed of Zakai Ziegler. And so, yeah, I mean, Tennessee was thought to be the leader. We'll see. I mean, again, you know, uh, when you, when you enter the portal, a lot of times guys have in mind what they want to do. This one felt like that was going to be Tennessee. But if he doesn't make a decision fairly quick and he lets other teams get in the picture, then things change.
0: And also, Tyreek Key is a guy from in-state, from, from Salina, yeah. Tennessee. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at point totals, and I saw some highlights, but he's a guy who can score uh, while he was at Indiana State. Do you like where Tennessee stands with him right now? I do,
2: but again, I, I think that, you know, is he going to take any more visits, you know, or are we coming to a decision fairly soon? If we're coming to a decision fairly soon, then I think Tennessee's, you know, got a nice end there, um, but uh, I, I, don't, I do not think it's done by any stretch of the imagination, as we said here at, you know, five fourteen on a Friday.
0: And finally, uh, Julian Phillips, five-star kid, uh, the moment I saw that he's visiting Auburn, I thought, boy, that's not good news uh, for Tennessee. Given Walker Kessler a year ago and their competition uh, with Auburn, uh, what are your thoughts on Julian Phillips? It feels Austin like the further this went along, the worse Tennessee's chances became.
2: yeah, you know I, I don't disagree um you know the you know Duke Gonzaga, you know they're trying to still get in the mix with a guy like Phillips you know and, and then you know you got Auburn that he's gonna take a visit to. Um, I know that he and the staff have continued to have dialogue, but that honestly feels like Collins and Key are way more realistic than Phillips at this point. And, uh, you know, I think you've got to get Phillips on campus, uh, you know, if if you want a shot.
0: So Tony Vitello uh, gets a four game suspension for bumping an umpire in the game. And Austin, I don't hear, and I follow you, a lot of people in Knoxville that cover that university. I haven't heard a single person report that anyone at Tennessee has any problem with this, that Danny White has met with him to talk about, hey, man, probably don't need to be getting suspended for four games for bumping an umpire, any of that. It seems that Tony Vitello has complete carte blanche, even if he's racking up a four-game suspension, which this week he admitted, I deserved it. I mean, I I got what I deserved in this. I know exactly what happened, and he explained it, but he said, I deserve the four-game suspension. What are your thoughts on all of that and the reaction to it?
2: Well, I think you know you just have to eat it if you're him. You have to eat that it, it, it's on you that you know you messed up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's earned the the carte blanche. I mean, when you're ranked number one in the country and really, you know, for this fan base, you can do no wrong. I, you know, <laughs> the last thing Danny White needs to do is be out there and having the notion being thrown around that you know he's upset with Tony Vitello because he he stood up for his kids like that. That ain't gonna fly. And so, you know, I think, you know, any coach in that instance, you know, um, when you're standing up for your team, for your players, um, and then, you know, was he in the wrong? Sure he was, but you know, I mean, we all have moments where we regret things. And so as long as he had regret on it, I, I just, I don't have any issue with it at all. Like if he goes out there Sunday and does the same thing again, then, (laughs) then, then we got a real issue, but, uh, you know, I don't expect that to be the case. And, uh, You know, much like the golf balls, he's kind of got his new little logoed cap going, and uh, that's going to be a hot commodity uh, around town, I would say.
0: Well, and they're they're far and away the favorite to win the national championship right now by Vegas betting odds, and they've got a good atmosphere uh, for home series. Has this become a chip for other programs to play in terms of recruiting visits and and what they can do with – it sounds crazy. It's usually the baseball program using a football game or – a basketball game to bring in prospects, but are other programs using success in baseball to help with their recruiting efforts? You know, I don't,
2: I don't know how much that actually has happened, but I mean, why not? If you're Josh Heupel and company, I mean, like look at like Tennessee's going to have a huge, um, have a huge recruiting weekend in the month uh, or week, weekend at the end of May, that'll be the SEC tournament. So there won't be baseball in town then. Um, but why not while, you know, the, the, the recruiting periods are open, get these kids to come to town, um, you know, and, and then, you know, let them watch a little baseball. It lets them see the fan base, uh, you know, kind of, you know, in a, in a smaller version, but still in the electric atmosphere. And then they can kind of paint the picture. This is 4,000 people. Look at how loud they are. Think about a hundred thousand people. And, 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 you know, then it kind of gets in, you know, parents' minds, kids' minds. And, uh, you know, I, anytime you can use Tennessee's fan base like that, it's going to be a home run because Tennessee's fan base does a really good job of being passionate and showing support for their school.
0: Austin Price, VolQuest.com, joins us every Friday. Austin, thank you for taking time away from strawberry picking to join us today on the show. Really appreciate uh, it.
2: No no problem. And, you know, hold on before we go. I want to make sure we, we, we flip this around here. I want to show that I'm not driving. See, <laughs> I've had several texts saying that's fantastic that I'm driving on the show, not driving, sitting in the passenger seat here at the strawberry festival or the strawberry uh, field here in Maribel. And there it is. There it is. everybody.
0: There it is. I mean, the, the people that saw that and thought you were driving, give me way too much credit. Cause that would have been the most remarkable job of doing an interview while driving and being that still. The way you are, so I, I never thought you were driving, and, and you're not unsafe that way, also, Austin. So I give you way 100%. I give you way more credit in the being safe department than people are giving you way too much credit in that you could drive and do that interview and look this way the whole time. Uh,
2: here, tip for strawberry picking there, Withrow: eat while you pick, eat while you
0: pick. Smart man, Austin Price, VolQuest.com. Austin, thank you so much. We'll take a quick break. We come back. We're going to go back down to Birmingham. That's where Jonathan Hutton is at Protective Stadium. Getting ready for USFL Week 2. We'll talk a little bit of USFL. We'll talk a lot of NFL when we come back. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.
1: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
0: Welcome back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow in studio downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody. Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer. Jonathan Hutton is with us. He's down in Birmingham Protective Stadium getting ready for USFL Week 2. Hutton is a man who has a stadium At his beck and call right now. An entire stadium. Here we are. Free run of the entire stadium right now. Great (laughs) backdrop for Hutton. And uh, so I was there in week one for USFL. And Hutton, we talked about it this week. I was pleasantly surprised with the crowd. Uh, I tune in on Sunday and there's no one there. Uh, It was bad weather. It was Easter Sunday also. This is very much a made-for-TV product. So my expectation for attendance has always been low for USFL, and it's way more about the TV product and if people are tuning in to watch the games on television. Uh, But you're there now for week two. What are you expecting for the games you're going to be at over the weekend? Chad,
3: we can talk the good and the bad. That's what I like about this Uh, as as we move forward across the USFL. Let's start with the good, um, the the TV numbers that came out. I think if you ask Fox or NBC about the TV numbers and the broadcast, both locally and nationally, they're very pleased with the overall numbers. You know, three million tuned in for the opening broadcast. Locally in Birmingham, more people tuned in to the USFL than the NBA playoffs that weekend. Uh, the local broadcast in Michigan was very high as well, and... I think we're going to see more of that trend, especially here in Birmingham, as they get behind their local team. They are expecting perfect weather here throughout the weekend. I'll be here tonight and tomorrow for the first game. That, that game is on at noon tomorrow, noon central on Fox. FS1 tomorrow night is when Birmingham plays, the Birmingham Stallions. And, Chad, I'm, I'm, they've got a NASCAR promotion going on here where you can meet and greet some of the drivers. They'll have some cars on display with their partnership with Fox. Uh, and NBC, they will have a great crowd on hand tomorrow night. And what is a made-for-TV product? They will have a good home game atmosphere for Birmingham. And I would not be surprised as the season progresses. And keep in mind, they're going to announce the schedule two weeks in advance as they see the teams come together and form who's good, who's not. I I would not be – I'm not going to be shocked if Birmingham is on a lot of the national – broadcast the big fox or the nbc broadcast because so far the city is behind the stallions and the home game atmosphere that i watched in oklahoma you were here for in person that was really good unfortunately the weather and the holiday weekend played a factor in sunday but i I think the weather and the open weekend this weekend plays into the usfl's favor a bit
0: yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, and um, it's an interesting case study in that if it works this way for Birmingham, I think from a cost-effectiveness standpoint, Fox and USFL, they're smart to keep everything in one city for this year and not worry about renting out eight different cities, stadiums, and everything that goes around that in year one to test it out. But if it works with fans in Birmingham – You know, could it work in other markets if this thing expands out a year from now and you've got actual home games and travel happening in Michigan, in in Pittsburgh, in Houston, in Tampa Bay, in these different spots. So I I think interesting to watch how Birmingham, the city, responds from an attendance standpoint. So that's one to watch. One that everyone's going to be watching, Hutton, is the NFL schedule release. It's amazing Mm. how the NFL continues to create (laughs) – news I know, and create television events and things that we're all going to be tuned into on a television on a smartphone on a social media app somewhere we're going to be paying attention and watching and now the schedule release is another one of those events
3: so it is uh you're right they made an announcement about an announcement and it got tons of coverage the nfl schedule release and i'm looking up may the 12th is when when the schedule will be released that's a thursday Thursday, May the 12th. Uh, But there will be games that will be announced prior to May the 12th, which is a national holiday for some of uh, the NFL fans that can't wait to plan their weekends around certain events. But uh, let's go through a couple of other dates, which I think are important and new this year. Amazon. Amazon Thursday Night Football. Their first game will be announced next week, April the 28th, on Thursday, the day of the NFL draft. Uh, Amazon taking over Thursday Night Football. They've got some primetime packages there. Um, They are announcing the company's first game the same day as the NFL draft, and that game will be played on Thursday, September 15th. The international games will be announced in the first week of May. So we know Jacksonville's playing, um, but we also know – that there will be five international games this year. Those games will be announced the first week of May, and then each team will be able to announce the home opener early because although the schedule doesn't come out until 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, May 12th, all 32 teams are able to announce their home opener two hours prior to that announcement. So not only has the NFL created an announcement about an announcement that's breaking news, you know, May 12th being the storyline yesterday. They now have three other dates ahead of the actual schedule release where news will be created before May 12th even gets here, and they announce their full schedule. It's nuts. Uh, I wish college football was more like this. I wish there was a way to have the SEC do something like this, even though we know the third Saturday in October is Tennessee, Alabama. I wish there was more pomp and circumstance to it, the same way the NFL does, because there is there is no off season when it comes to football, and it's not just the NFL. There's a reason why Outkick is here covering the USFL, and you know if there's football, I will come. There's a reason why when we talk SEC football, our Twitter and phone lines light up. Right in the past, people can't get enough of it. And as cheesy as it sounds, there are families, there are fan bases. You and I are planning trips around home or away games based on what we're going to be covering. That's why it gets so much attention. It's not necessarily because it's the NFL, and oh, here it, I can't wait to know where you know where the jets are playing. They, jets fans want to know if they can be out of town that weekend or if they're playing on Thursday night, if they need a hotel room. certain Certain things are important, and football's at one of the uh, among those at the top of the list.
0: I understand how supply and demand works, and part of the greatness of football is the short supply from a time window of actual games in the fall for NFL and college and the fact that it doesn't happen every day of the week and that's what draws us in even more, I'm also a firm believer that there's no such thing as too much football or too much football news. And the NFL continues to prove this. Just going through the dates you just mentioned there, Hutton, you got the NFL schedule release Thursday, May 12th, but next Thursday, the day of the draft, We get to find out what Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit are going to be up to on their first game on Thursday night Amazon package, which is a big deal. Then the first week of May, you find out international games. I mean, I know there's a reason that you can't do this in the calendar, but I mean, what's eventually to stop the NFL from saying, why don't we just continue to to control every month of the year? Hey, let's do the first round of the NFL draft in one city in March – Let's do the second round of the NFL draft in April in a different city. <laughs> Let's do the third round in May, so on and so forth. I mean, they could do it. They won't because there's a league schedule and calendar for a reason. But, I mean, that's the popularity of this league, that you can create things like this, and we're going to pay attention. And we know we're going to pay attention. I,
3: I also want to say this. I would not be shocked – if the week of the schedule release, the league announces or leaks, quote unquote, certain matchups, certain matchups being Thanksgiving Day matchups, like Monday through Thursday of that week, or Christmas Day. There's going to be a Christmas Day triple header on Thursday. So it's uh, uh, not Thursday, excuse me, on Christmas. Um, so on that Thursday, prior to the schedule release on the 12th, they'll announce that Christmas Day triple header. Um, We also know the home opponents for the international games. We know the five home designated home opponents, those being the Jags, the Saints, the Packers, the Buccaneers, and the Cardinals. Those are the international home games. We just don't know the road opponents yet, and we don't know the opponent for the first game of the league season. We know the home opponent's going to be the Los Angeles Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions on Thursday night. Now, that's not the Amazon package. That's the NBC Sunday night football package where they open up the season on Thursday night. We just don't know who the Rams are going to be facing. And they've got quite uh, a list of, of, of opponents, one of them being the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys bring millions of viewers. And if you have Dallas at L.A. opening up the regular season on Thursday night on NBC, that's my prediction because you get not just a, a, an average number of viewers, you're getting 40, 40 million plus, uh, and when you get into that range, you're getting into playoff numbers. They'll pick the Cowboys because of that.
0: Can you imagine being the guy responsible for leaking the schedule news to someone in the NFL, like how much fun <laughs> that must be? You're in the NFL office in Manhattan, and you've got, that, you've got that text just ready to go, typed out, ready to send to Adam Schefter at any moment. All right, I've, I've got all the info right here, and it's going to go live immediately when I send Adam Schefter this Thanksgiving Day schedule in advance of it. That, that would be a fun job to have.
3: Well, hey, can I jump in real quick? Uh, we, uh, so the Cowboy, uh, of the home opponents for the Rams, and we're just spitballing here, and, and fans love this, from a TV network perspective, you have options. You have, let's say NBC wants the Cowboys later as one of their matchups because you're going to get – 40 million anyway for the opener regardless. Okay, they have the Bills at the Rams at some point this year, so NBC could want Buffalo, where you get Josh Allen and high-powered offense against Stafford and that group. You also have the Broncos and Russell Wilson uh, in his first game as a Denver Bronco potentially going on the road and facing the Rams to open the season. Though, again, I, I don't know if they think about divisional matchups in that way for a Thursday night opener, but to me, those are the three matchups I would be considering for a TV network if I'm NBC looking to pair the Rams with a road opponent.
0: No doubt about it. Um, let's talk a little bit about the NCAA football rule changes, Hutton, because I really agree with one of the three things that they're doing right now. I, I think the Kenny Pickett rule is a good one. You know, Much like you can't fake a fair catch on a punt, and put your arm halfway up, and then try to run with it. It's going to be a penalty if that happens. I don't think it, if right. if you twist a rule created to protect yourself, and then turn it on the opponent when they could lay the wood to you, and they don't, and you keep running, that should be prevented and and stopped. So I'm for that rule, but the other two, when you look at the review process of the helmet to helmet, and a guy you know happens in the second half. They missed the first half of the next game, where that can now come back by review. Um, it doesn't help the fact that it was missed in the second half of the game. The 15-yard penalty happened. You lost a player because of it. So that combined with being able to review or file a complaint about a team faking injuries, not being able to help the team that was hurt by the faked injuries and over the course of the game – it seems overly punitive for those that don't need to have it be punitive in their behalf for the next opponent and doesn't really work out. There's no justice with it, I guess is what I'm saying, where they could have just made a rule about faking injuries and what happens if you have to leave the game for injury, whether legit or not.
3: Let me, let me ask you this from a, a common sense standpoint, and maybe I'm too naive when bringing this up. So, Commissioner Sankey, let's go back a few years. Five years ago, was it? Yeah. 2016, I think, when he got into a room at the SEC league meeting down in Destin or, or in, uh, at, at 30A, and he told the basketball coaches and he told the ADs, we're, we're, we're going to invest as a conference in college basketball. And there were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, as a league, we will improve. Um. Am I too naive to think that if the commissioner got in front of these coaches and said, hey guys, cut the BS with the fake injuries. We take injuries seriously. Cut it out. Would they have enough sportsmanship to cut it out? Because I haven't heard Sankey step up and say anything about this. He's the most powerful man in college sports. The coaches and the ADs respect him a great deal. And I think Human to human here, if I'm a coach speaking to another coach, I understand that I don't want that coach to be penalized if a if a player is actually hurt, but it appears as though he caught a ham you know, he he popped a hammy or he caught a cramp and he went down the same time as a player went down opposite side of the field. I'm just giving a hypothetical here. I, I don't know how you put it on the officials to judge who's faking and who's not. You can't do that. Um, It's up to the coaches to police this, and it's up to the leadership to stand up and say, there's no penalty for this, but let's have some common sense about it and be a coach and learn how to defend an up-tempo offense or learn how to, on offense, give a pace of play and save some timeouts where you have it in the fourth quarter instead of faking an injury so you get an extra timeout there needs to be more of just a common sense element and a leader in the room that steps up and calls it out rather than trying to come up with some BS rule that makes it appear as though they're somehow going to change the philosophy that is very tough to point out. Like we could see it. I mean, we saw Tennessee have two guys drop at the same time, one wearing two and one wearing number 22. It was pretty obvious what was going on there. Um, Ole Miss is a prime example of this, and there are others, and it's not going to stop until someone at the very top gets everyone in the room similar to what they did for college hoops and say, for the greater good of the conference, stop it. And I, maybe I'm too naive no, to expect I, I don't, I don't that that would you are. change the tone.
0: I think, Hutton, that could happen in SEC games. But the problem you have here is, I mean, you've got coaches making a mockery out of it, and Lane Kiffin's the top of the list. I mean, he's sending tweets yep. out joking and tagging Josh Heupel when they don't create a rule about it because of what happened in this game. So not only do you have coaches doing it and not talking about it, you have coaches making a joke about it, about how they're going to continue to do it. I think if, Tennessee, if Tennessee's loss to Ole Miss would have prevented them from some sort of SEC title or national championship, there'd be a lot more talk about this. And I think if Greg Sankey saw a chance in the playoff for a team derailed by this, by a team in conference, he would be standing up there saying what he did about SEC basketball a few years ago. But Tennessee went to Music City Bowl. So nobody cares about right. Tennessee losing to Ole Miss. Oh, by the way, a team that went to a New Year Six game, and they benefited from that. <laughs> if it were the reverse and Tennessee was cost a New Year Six game because of what Ole Miss did – and Josh Heupel was tweeting out emojis to Lane Kiffin about what he's going to do again, I think it'd be a bigger issue. So you need a team of national relevance in the SEC to be affected by this. If Tennessee becomes nationally relevant, and this becomes a strategy with every team in the league, and it eventually trips up Tennessee to not make the league more money because they don't go to a, a playoff, then I think we're talking. I think we're cooking at that point, you, you, and something happens. I think until then, nothing's going to happen.
3: You need a Chiefs-Bills overtime yes. issue to, to, to get change in this. Not, that changed the rule for overtime in playoffs. You need something at a magnitude-like level to where a coach is screwed out of a college football playoff or an SEC championship appearance or a Big Ten whatever to really affect change in this, but I'm not even sure, Chad, if a rule can actually be in place that's fair because it's not fair on the officials to have to judge this. They are told to err on the side of caution when it comes to injuries, especially with the head injuries and how much of a focus this is on the league. This comes down to the coaches acting like adults uh, instead of, you know, the childish stuff that we're seeing.
0: I agree. I also think it's a little bit easier than we think to to legislate it because – Yes, err on the side of caution with head injuries. Anything, but erring on the side of the ca- caution, you shouldn't be upset if you have to stop the game to leave the field. You sit out four plays, and there's just an official on the sideline that says, "Okay, this guy That's- stopped the game. It's four plays, and you go." That you could you could sell that as health and safety, right? You could say we're going to cut down on fake injuries with this, and also we're going to make sure we monitor guys that. We had to stop the game over, and they're going to miss at least four plays. If they're seriously injured, they're obviously missing more than that. But I think that is how you deter it a little bit. Um, We'll see if it continues. Again, if a Tennessee or a team that plays at that pace becomes nationally relevant and it's a spotlight-type game that costs them, I think it's going to get more more momentum. But, you know, the SEC network at night game, even though it was a great game, between Tennessee and Ole Miss where that happens – probably isn't going to move the needle enough to do that we're going to take our last break of the show come back close up things talk to hutton about what he's watching for this weekend with usfl what to watch for with all sports over the course of the weekend that's coming up next this is outkick 360 another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help It's sunny here in Nashville. Weather's perfect. Weather looks great in Birmingham, where Jonathan Hutton is right now. But Hutton, it's also a sad day for us here at OutKick 360 because it's the final day for production assistant Adam Brown, who has done a terrific job for OutKick and OutKick 360 throughout this semester. He's not a two-semester production assistant like Ellie, who we said goodbye to earlier in the week, but he packed a punch In this one semester with us at Outkick 360, uh, and we loved having Adam, and he's going to go on to to bigger and hopefully better things than what he did with us.
3: Well, uh, no doubt, and not a two semester. We'd love to have him back, but the rules changed a bit. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the rules changed a bit on what we could and could not do from Outkick to Fox. And, and I'm not – there's no reading between the lines there. It's oh, just no, you're pissed. You're mad about it, it Hutton. I, I can tell.
0: You're very angry yeah. about these rules. Oh, well, I here's, hey, here's how the rules changed. Livid. by the way, Hutton. The rules changed that there are now yep. rules. <laughs> there, there were no rules. rules before. Right. We, we just allowed people to come and go as we want, all willy-nilly, and we signed some school paperwork for them and sent them on their way. But now we have an actual company – and actual rules. That's, that's how things have changed.
3: Yeah, where our interns for the first time ever are getting paid, so it's now a very competitive uh, intern uh, in- internship application. I'll say this about Adam Brown. Blue Raider, so he's close to my heart when it comes to that as a fellow Blue Raider and MTSU graduate. Um, same goes uh, for, for Dylan, who, who we, we hired at OutKick and I would absolutely say I I would love to hire Adam Brown uh, if I were making hiring decisions as well. He's legit, and uh, he is a season ticket holder. He knows more about the history of uh, us together over the last decade than maybe anybody other than the three of us, and that's saying something because he can recite and remember dates, times, interviews better than I can, and I've got a, a uh, a calendar here full of different things that remind me of that happened on certain dates with the show so shout out to adam he was great and uh for sure we were our, our paths will cross again
0: yeah he was really kind of after both of our hearts uh hutton because he's a blue raider at MTSU. he was also from mount juliet uh he was in our fantasy football league also and, and oh, you're right oh, <laughs> i mean a legitimate hey, uh, I thought it's, <laughs> it's always good to have a legitimate uh, say- fan of the show as part of the show also I thought
3: you were going to say he's also a fan, of your heart because, uh, a fan of your heart because he's a Blue Raider and he's a Vols fan, which is typical for yep. f- students who go to MTSU.
0: That too. Really, he checked all the boxes <laughs> for me and you, so it's appropriate that Paul's not here today because he'd have nothing right, to say yes. about Adam because he's got no attachment to him at all and would probably sit there uh, in silence. Paul was very nice to Ellie the other day on her final day, though. I, I will say that. Not a lot of interaction throughout he, the yes, semester, was. but was very nice to Ellie on the way out. And... I love Ellie, but opposite of Ellie, Adam's actually a fan of us and <laughs> our show and our product. <laughs> so we're we're always going to like Adam for that reason also. And if Ellie were here, she'd probably agree with me uh, and nod her head the entire time. But Adam, thank you, great work. Adam's on to bigger and better things. Hutton, you're on to to bigger and I don't know if it's better than you know talking with me for three hours. It's not, but you get a chance to get a behind the scenes glimpse. Of, uh, of the Michigan Panthers with Jeff Fisher for the USFL. And we can see this, read about all of it at OutKick.com, correct? Yes,
3: yeah, so I'm going to give some coverage to OutKick.com this weekend here with Fox and the USFL. Fisher uh, is going to grant me locker room access, so I will be uh, in the in the locker room for pregame, halftime, postgame, wherever. We have all excess passes here, Chad, so we'll be all over this stadium t- tonight and tomorrow and give a glimpse at what it's like for the coaches as they coach and then scout the next week's opponent. That's the idea behind uh, the, the coverage I'm bringing this weekend at OutKick.com.
0: Hutton's going to hold an extra point at one point this weekend uh, in a USFL <laughs> game. That's the level of access we've been granted at OutKick. Uh, Hutton, thank you so much. We'll be uh, watching everything at OutKick.com over the weekend. Thank you. And also, yep, thank you, Chad. we thank you for the access you grant us into your lives, listening, watching every week. We're out of here for this week. We'll be back next week on OutKick 360.